Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. I don't have to ask you to stand. <laughs> so special. You know, th- these, uh, these moments are, are just wonderful to be able to, to look back and, and I really want to highlight to, to each one of you that when we relinquish control and we say, God, not my way, not my will, but your will and your way in my life, he writes a better story than you and I could ever craft. And Anna and I, are, we are so happy to be your pastors. We love you. September of 2018, we came to visit when I was saying, like, God, why would we ever leave Gateway Church? I love Gateway Church. And, but there was a sending. See, believers aren't, they don't leave. Followers of Jesus, they don't, they don't leave, they're sent. And there was a sending that, that God had for Anna and I. And I remember us being in the lobby after our, our first service here and, and talking with different ones of you. And then afterwards, my, my wife, Anna, said to me, she said, Josh, I, I think these are our people. She said, I think these are the people God's called us to. And then to be received by you the way that you have and loved by you and, and to be supported as we launch the Cape Coral campus. And I, I love that, that just the Lord orchestrated this in a way that, that He's seen and glorified because it doesn't always happen like this. Transitions are not always peaceful and smooth. And, and, but today we're, we're in a good stuff moment because people chose to keep their eyes on Jesus. And we're going to continue to do that. Amen. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for what happens when we relinquish control. Holy Spirit, we do that again, afresh and anew. We say, here we are. Here's our hands. Here's our feet, our mouths, our lives. Lord, would you do what only you can do? We trust you. We ask you to work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, last week we, we started and we started talking about what it was to, to get to the good stuff in our walk with God. We talked about how that uh, the, the different apostles had had a plea for God's people. Paul again and again in Galatians and Colossians, and then from what we can tell, Hebrews. We, know, we don't know definitively that Paul wrote Hebrews, but we know that there are a lot of ties to, to what he said and how he mentions Timothy as a son. There's a lot of, of, of indicators that point us to that. And I, I love the theory that, that Hebrews is a, a sermon that was recorded by either Luke or Apollos of Paul preaching. But all of these letters to the church include this plea for us to be mature, they include this plea of us to, to take a step and not, not stay in this, this adolescent, immature place that keeps us from what God wants to do. 
And for each one of us, there, there's this revelation that God's kingdom does not expand in a way that looks like any kingdom on this earth has functioned. It doesn't, it doesn't have a natural throne that we see and, and Jesus seated in a natural throne on this earth. That would, be, that would be way too easy for us to be distant from. But what God's kingdom has advanced from and will continue to advance from is that the throne of our hearts are unchallenged and unquestioned who sits there. That we each know that there is one King, one Lord, and one Savior that sits on the throne of my heart, and the energy of my life comes from that place. This is the foundation of what it means to be spiritually mature. You know, there, there are all these examples that, that we can look to of what immaturity looks like. Um, Paul said it to Galatians. He says, who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? He, if he were here today, he would say, what YouTube video are you watching where you get sucked into the YouTube vortex of videos and then you leave and you're questioning things about your faith that you never should question about your faith? There are all kinds of platforms that, that, that this deconstructive idea that is not from God, but this idea that everything should be questioned when God's truth is alone in its, in its trustworthiness that is there for us that we look to. And you get in these, these deconstructed moments and we can be confused and, and look and watch a video, video by a guy that just has a phone and a bone to pick. And, and it's critical towards other men and women of God and, and, and we watch that and we leave going, what, what's going on in our world? What do I believe? And yet God's Word and, and specifically the book of Hebrews gives us six doctrinal places for you and I to have settled in our heart that if we, you and I can know that if these places are settled in our heart, maturity can happen. Growth can happen. But the Lord's not going to green stamp. He's not going to say, yes, I'm going to take you into to better places and to more if these things are not solidified. Much like a builder is looking at the foundation saying, when the foundation is secure, then we can continue to build. This is the, the doctrines that, that are required for you and I to go to greater maturity. You know, maturity and, and immaturity, it, it gets easy to, to see even in our own lives. I mean, I'm sure many of you have had the experience of someone that speaks and wants to be known as a follower of Jesus, but yet has these little broken places like just being mean. <laughs> How many of you have been around somebody like that? They may know the Bible better than you, but, but they're just mean. What's wrong with you? What were you baptized into? What, what kind of water were you baptized with? You know, uh, our, our family, there's a, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right, in the, in the 9 o'clock service, I tried my best to tell this story without outing one of my children, and I, I failed. So I'm going to try again with you. Ann and I have six kids. There are two of them. We're just going to call them roommate one, roommate two. I think that's the safest one, safest way that I can tell this story. But, but I, I went in, roommate two is crying in their bed, and, and roommate two is very sweet. She... She, see, I'm already failing. I'm already messing it up. But roommate two is, is, is so sweet. 
She's the one that I say most frequently, a little bit joking, where I, where I say, you're still in the will. I, I'm going to keep you in the will. And, and, and roommate two is crying in, in their bed. And roommate one on this side is praying and praying strong. Like, like praying in a way that as a parent, you're like, hey, I, I think I might be do, doing something right. Like, hey, this, this sounds good. This sounds spiritual. And so I, I asked roommate two, roommate two, why are you crying? And they said, because roommate one told me to shut up so they could pray. <laughs> Y'all, immaturity is us saying, be quiet, I am spiritual, and I got something spiritual to do. You see, 1 Corinthians 12, or these, this list of wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit that should fill our lives and be markings of our lives, but it's followed by 1 Corinthians 13 that says, if the love of God is not the foundation of our lives, none of what chapter 12 says matters. It's all drowned out by our inability for Jesus to be seen in the way that these gifts function in our lives. So this is, this is the plea, this is the desire, and, and I say all that to set up Hebrews chapter 6 as these lists of, of doctrinal places for you and I to have settled in our hearts, and they're sequential. It begins with repentance from dead works. This is the step of you and I saying, I am not on the throne of my life. I am acknowledging that I, I would run this thing into a ditch, and I have. Jesus, I need you to do what you alone can do. I recognize that the, the, the nature of my life is devoid of holiness. You, I need your nature, your power. I repent from my former way, my former life of, of acknowledging who is leading. I repent of that. You alone lead. You alone are Lord. That's the first. The second is faith in God. It is this place of knowing that when I'm going through, I, there is a place of faith. I'm going to step out in obedience and trust because I know this isn't my way. This is His way. Repentance from dead works. Faith in God. And then it, the, the, there's, there's this word that we're going to talk about today, baptisms. We're going to celebrate baptisms, but I don't want baptisms to be something that is simply a religious experience, a checked box of what I know I'm supposed to do. There, there are two ditches that we are going to stay out of. The first ditch is this place that sometimes is represented by infant baptism or infant sprinkling. And if you experience that, that's not a negative thing. That means your parents cared about your connection to God. But as an infant, we, we are incapable of making the acknowledgement of knowing that, that our heart is desperate for what only Jesus can do in giving us a new heart. And so this, this ditch that, that we can get in is, is a traditional one where, where it's, it becomes salvation, a statement of salvation that, that we, we do. And as long as that box is checked, then, then, I'm, then I'm secure with God regardless of 
how the fruit of my life looks and smells, whether or not Jesus is really on the throne of my heart. And so that's one ditch. The other is that we can make too little of it and just treat it as a take it or leave it moment in our services. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's great. Everybody cheers and sometimes they give us a free t-shirt when we get baptized. So it's great. And we can, that, that's another ditch where we make light of what God has connected as a sequential step of repentance and faith in God and then following Jesus in water baptism. And so I, I want to just talk about three expectations that should fill our hearts as we go into the waters of baptism. Three places that, that I want your, your heart to say, God, this is a faithful place. I'm going to look and expect you to move in my life this way. You know, the, one of the, the great uh, authors that, that I love to read is a man named C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an atheist that met Jesus, and his life was transformed, and he's, he wrote so many incredible books. Uh, one of the more well-known series was the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And that was a very special series to me growing up. It was really special. You know, as your kids get older and, and, and you can hand them these things and watching Zoe read that and, and love that and then watching Caitlin say, I'll watch the movies. <laughs> All of that is fun and special. Uh, but, but my favorite book from the series is, is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And so what happens is the Voyage of the Don Treader starts with like the best opening line of a book that I found. And it says this, it says, there once was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Isn't that clever? You're introduced to this, this boy named Eustace, and Eustace has never been to Narnia before. He's never been taken from reality into this magical world of Narnia. And so when that happens and he's, he's transported from the England that he knows and, and the comfort of the situation of, of his life that he knows and into this brand new world that has a different authority, that functions in a different way, he, he doesn't know what to do. And Eustace is a selfish boy. He's manipulative. He's controlling. He's greedy. And all of these things just pour out of him. He continues to try to hang on to the only reality that he knew. And even though he's in a different world, he's been transported into Narnia, he's still trying to hang on to the authority that he knew from his home in England. And so he threatens everyone that, that crosses him with taking them before a judge or going to write a report and file charges against them with the governmental authorities refusing to acknowledge that he's been transformed and tra or not transformed but transported to a new world. It's so indicative of just how we are in our sin nature and even as we 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 get around the the truths of God God's word and and, and how this truth is is a completely different reality than everything that we've known. And our flesh fights against that. It pushes against this. A.W. Tozer says this, Much of our difficulty as seeking Christians stems from our unwillingness to take God as He is and adjust our lives accordingly. We insist on trying to modify Him and bring Him nearer to our own image. 
And Eustace, he, he, he exemplifies this in such ugly ways. And it culminates for him as they, they find some treasure in, in his greed and his unwillingness and, and just manipulative way. He, he takes a bracelet and puts a gold bracelet on his arm and goes to sleep laying on this treasure, wanting to hoard it for himself. And when he wakes up in the morning, he, he discovers not only that he's been transformed, but really what everything that was in his heart, the sin nature that has existed from his birth, was now out in the open and seen blatantly for everyone. He had been transformed into a dragon. And he's in pain now because this gold bracelet that he was trying to steal and to hoard for himself now is cutting into his arm. So Eustace is miserable, but he's face to face with the reality that everything that was in him is now out and visible. But the beauty of that is not only is it visible for everyone else, but it's visible for him, which is most important. And these expectations that, that, that I want us to have in our hearts today as we celebrate, and as maybe even some of us that have looked at water baptism from an incorrect perspective. And the Lord begins to speak to you and you know it's time for me to, to follow the Lord in water baptism. I want these expectations to fill your heart. The first of which is that you would know that in the waters of baptism, we hear the voice of the Father. And this is such a powerful moment. We love to sing, He's a good, good Father. He's perfect in all of His ways. But unless you know that from knowing Him, it's just a song. And He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that you now have a Father who sees you and loves you, and He loves you on a level that you don't have to strive to a place of pleasing Him. He sees you in the same way that He did with Jesus in Matthew 3 as Jesus followed this, this place of obedience, of submission to the Father, allowing John to baptize Him. God stands up and He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't preached a message. He hadn't done anything that would equate to his ministry on earth, he simply was obedient. And this is the place that you and I have to identify with and say, God, I receive your love from the reality that I don't have to earn it. I receive your love from the place, and Colossians 2 verse 6 tells us this, that as we have received Christ Jesus, so must we walk in him. And this is the, the, the foundation of how we live. Because if we live in this striving mode, that I'm pleasing to God because I've checked off every week of my Bible reading, then you, your, your walk with Jesus is going to be exhausting. I feel for you. You're going to wear yourself out so fast. But if the foundation of who we are is that I have been seen and adopted into family by a father who loves me, and without me having to give him a list of how I've cleaned myself up, he says, I love you, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm well pleased with you. And I receive that, you have foundation that you can live from. You have foundation that a life can be built from. 
And this, this, this is a, it's not just our foundation for our relationship with Jesus, but this becomes the foundation of how we, we walk in covenant together. Anna doesn't have a list of boxes that I have to check every day so that I fulfill my duties as a husband because you know what? I fail a lot of those. Anna has to bring the, the realities of what it is to be married to me to the Lord all the time. She has to say, Lord, you, you gave me a husband who is not good at home projects. Sometimes runs, runs crying from home projects because they expose my lack of talent. And this, but this is the foundation of our relationship that we, we know at the, at the core of who we are. This isn't a place that you have to earn. This is a threefold cord with Jesus that his strength is going to fill our relationship. And, and so the voice of the Father, God wants you to hear that as you follow him in water baptism. It's such a powerful statement. I believe that there, there's so much, even in the timing of it, even in, in, in the way that we make these decisions, because there's a pattern for our life. Pastor Tom talked about it earlier. There's a pattern that we live our lives as believers that we hear, we believe, and we obey. This is how we live our lives. We hear God's voice. We believe that His voice is true, and we obey what He's told us to do. This is, we, we never leave this place. And water baptism is a wonderful foundational place of knowing God is speaking to me. I'm not going to wait. Something powerful happens when we take out the waiting and the debating in our mind. I'm going to go a little off script here. This is something that the Lord was speaking to me about this morning. John chapter 7, we find Jesus, and he, he's going to, to the festival in Jerusalem. He's coming to the culmination of his, his time on earth. And, and chapter 7 starts, and, and Jesus is confronted by his brothers, and they say, why, why are you doing everything you're doing in secret? You should go to the festival. Go to Jerusalem where everyone can see you and you can do miracles in front of everyone. But then it says, John records after that, because they did not believe in him. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm not going there. That's not my time. He had submitted. I mean, think, think about the, this place of Jesus having God the Father on the throne of his heart. He said, it's not my time. And then it turns around, and it's almost like when I was, I was praying through it, I was like, Lord, it was almost like you lied to your brothers. Because it says that, that after they left, then he was like, hey, we're going to go to the festival. And he goes. Was he lying to his brothers? No, he was fully submitted to the voice of the Father. And so when his brothers said, hey, monkey, Show us, dance for us, entertain us, show us and prove to us that you're the Messiah. He said, no, I'm not under my, the submission to you. My life is submitted. The time of my life, the timing of my life is submitted to the Father. Now, now, now hang on to this because he goes to the festival and he's preaching. And the arrest warrant was already out. So I, I want you to grab a hold of this. When you, when you submit your heart to the voice of the Father in immediate obedience to what he's saying, God, you're moving in my heart. I believe you. I'm obeying. 
the timepiece is submitted to him, then, then, then something of his protection comes over our life. Because the arrest warrant was already out, but it was not his time. And the word records in John 7 that, that they came to arrest him, but they couldn't. The temple guards are there, and they're, they're, they're there with the purpose of arresting him, but they didn't understand because his time was submitted to the Father, then their idea of time had no power over him. And the works of the enemy, this is what happens. The fruit of our life begins to change when we are in this, this place of going, God, I'm going to hear you. I believe you. I'm going to obey you. And at that, that time, and so if you're wrestling with that, God, is this the day? Do I, do I submit my heart in, in water baptism? Just say yes. Let the time, don't debate it. No, this is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He protects us when we do this. You come under the covering of, of what it is to be led by the Spirit of God. And even when the world and, and, and the different enemies that try to fill our lives and Satan's plans for us would come in thinking they have an arrest warrant for you, you're not under their time. You're not subject to what they would want to do. The second expectation I want you to have in your hearts is that you're brought into family. There's a reason that, that I'm going to wrap this up in four seconds. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> There's a reason that this is part of the, the service. Is because I, I, I want the truth of, of the, the Word of God to fill your heart that you're not just baptized into a singular relationship, Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but you are also baptized into the family of God. Acts chapter 2, when the church is birthed, Peter preaches this powerful sermon, and they say, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 3, 3, were added to the church that day. 3,000 added into the, the intimacy of the family of God. And we love the verses after that that said that they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and shared with all that were in need. But we miss that they did that because they had been baptized into family. It is the step of water baptism. We're brought into family. The final piece, and, and to wrap this up with bringing us back to Eustace, is in water baptism, our sin nature is cut off. That place of I want the expectation if you're, you're in, a, in a place of going, God, I, I need what only you can do in my heart. I have these desires that I know are not right. They're not godly. Then as you go into the waters of baptism, carry those to Him and release them to Him saying, God, would you cut these places, this sin nature, out of my heart. This is Colossians chapter 2. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You know, throughout the Old Testament, you, you, you know, you get to like Leviticus. Those are the, the really fun moments of our reading plan. Leviticus is filled with these instructions for washing. It's filled with uh, what you do when you come in contact with 
something that is dead and, and you, you have just normal occasions of life that, that require a cleansing and God gives His people these instructions. What I, what I want us to see is the, the, the water that, that represented the cleansing that only God could provide, the boundaries that they had on that, that it had to be living water. You know what living water meant? It meant that it couldn't come from a stagnant pond. It had to come, the waters that they, they used for all the ritual cleansing, which Jesus did every time he went into the temple. By the time it was his day, the, the, the washings that before were just hand washings and different rituals had now become full immersion. This is where we get baptism. Jesus, as he would go into the temple, he would go and they, they would have these mitzvah pools, which was baptism pools where there was an undressing. Jesus would remove his clothes and walk into these waters before going into the temple. So think about this. In John 7, he has done this. He's walked through these waters that are considered living water. And he's preaching this. And in John 7, he looks at the crowds and he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you need cleansing, come to me to me because rivers of living water will fill you. And he gives us this invitation that the cleansing that our hearts and our lives need come from an ever-flowing fountain that he alone provides. He alone can step in. He said, look, I'm your living water. Before you had to look and go through these ritual baths, now that water comes from the inside of you. When I step in, I cleanse you to the core. Eustace we see this as, as, as he finishes this time and he's face to face with, he can't help himself. He's a dragon. He can't fix himself. And he wakes one morning and he's never met the character representing Jesus in these books. It's a lion named Aslan. And Aslan is there as he wakes one day. And Eustace says, I, I don't know if he spoke out loud or I just heard it in my heart, but he said, follow me. And he leads Eustace to this massive pool, this well of water. And all Eustace can think is, I got to get in there. It would be relief for the pain that I feel in my arm. And Aslan again says, and Eustace doesn't know if he says it out loud or he just speaks to his heart, but he says, you have to undress first. And so Eustace begins to claw at the dragon scales that cover him. And he gets one layer and he pulls that layer off and he steps out of that layer much like a snake stepping out of his skin. And as he steps out, he's discouraged because he realizes that there was another layer underneath. It happens again. And it happens again. And, and you see the fruitless striving of us trying to work our way to be pleasing to God. There's always a layer underneath. Then Aslan says to him, to his heart, you must let me undress you. And Eustace describes it as wonderful pain because these aren't just religious moments. There's a wrestling that must happen in your heart, a painful relinquishment of control saying, Jesus, it is no longer I that live. I'm not going to live this thing. I'm not going to lead this thing. I relinquish control as my Lord, as my Savior. Eustace said that 
when Aslan began to pull the layers off, that it was wonderful pain. But what he found is he looked down is that all the layers had come off. And even though the pain felt like it cut to his heart, what he was able to do was step out fresh and new, clean like he never could be. And then there's this beautiful picture. Aslan picks him up and he throws him into the well. And what came out of the water was something that had never been before. A brand new creation, aware of who he was and aware of the power of God to transform and to change a heart. That's what he invites us to. These are the expectations as we follow the Lord in water baptism. It's not just this religious box that we check. It's not just a nice moment that happens. This is God meeting us, transforming our lives, creating a foundation for maturity. Would you stand with me? If you're here and you are, are, you've made that decision to be water baptized, you can go ahead and begin stepping out and heading back to change and, and prepare for that. And I'd like to emphasize that, that if the Lord's speaking to you, you, we have everything you need. We have shorts and shirts and towels and everything you could need to be water baptized. And if, if that's something that the Lord's speaking to you about, then, then don't hesitate. Begin to settle this in your heart. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to hear God. Know He's speaking to me. Believe it and obey it. So they're, they're going to get changed and and then join us in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to have our prayer team move to the front because there are many of us that came in today and we, we just are walking through life and we have needs that we need the agreement in God's Word with His people. And we, we are here to pray with you. And so uh, Pastor Brandon is going to lead us in a, in a song in just a moment. And as he does, I just want to encourage you, if you have a prayer need in your life, Go ahead, begin stepping out, making your way to the front. We want to pray with you. Pastor Brandon's going to lead us, and then we're going to celebrate baptizing those that are following the Lord. Pastor Brandon. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.